Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the July 27th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. If you missed last week's episode, please make it your business to go out and find that episode and listen to it. It was an eye-opener regarding the criminal justice system here in Georgia, and particularly as it relates to what happens when our most vulnerable neighbors, that is those who are poor, those who are homeless, foster children, etc., commit relatively low-level crimes. The system can trap them in jail just because they can't pay $1,000 in fines. We covered a lot with court watcher Dr. Donna Moraine, but there is so much more that I invited her back to enlighten us even more. Some of the individual stories that she can tell are quite heartbreaking. Sometime later in the fall, we will talk further about those stories. But in the meantime, please go to the website of the Augusta Justice Cooperative to learn more about her work and how you can help. She is seeking volunteers to sit through sessions of state court, contact commissioners and state legislators to urge them to act on behalf of these most vulnerable neighbors, to build awareness through social media, and there are many other ways that you can help if you are looking for a role to play in ensuring that people's lives are not ruined just because they can't pay a fine. After listening to her speak, I titled the episode, When Poverty Sends People to Jail. You can find that episode on my website, and that is Janice alanjackson.weebly.com, where there is a local matters tab. Or if you are on Facebook, check out our new Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page. Once there, you can listen and share the post with others. Please, if you do go there, please like and follow the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page so that you will get notifications when we post new episodes. And like all episodes of Local Matters, that particular episode is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts in the event that that is the best way for you to listen. I find it wonderful to listen to podcasts when I'm driving, uh, when I'm out uh, walking or exercising. Um, that 30-minute time frame is just about right for what I need when um, I'm looking for something to listen to while I'm taking on one of those activities. And sometimes it's just cleaning house. Again, thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. Today, our special guest is State Representative Sheila Clark Nelson.
She'll discuss what the state legislature has done for us as Georgians this year in the 2022 session, and she will reflect on her tenure in the state House of Representatives. You may recall that she did not choose to run for re-election after serving three terms or a total of six years. Among other things, we will talk about some of the bills that were passed this year, some of the things that she enjoyed most, some of the big surprises she got as a member of the legislature. And we'll also cover a day in the life of a state representative, how she learned the ropes and what she plans to do uh, at the end of this year when she'll no longer be an elected official. Today, joining the Local Matters family is the person that I have referred to for the last five and a half years as my state representative, and that is Sheila Clark Nelson. She has represented what is district, now District 125, becoming District 130 uh, later on. How are you doing today? Doing great, Ms. Jackson. How are you? I am great. Thanks so much for being on the program. I am... Uh, disappointed. This is the first time on and you're on your way out the door, but I knew I had to get you in uh, before you left that seat. Um, first off, I want to start off just by thanking you for your service to our residents, service to my area and representing me, um, because as I have shared with our listeners before, and I will definitely share it again today, um, I always felt like we had somebody who was looking out for the best interest of the people. So I just want to appreciate you for, for having done that. And thank you so much for this invitation. I was excited when you asked me about doing it. Just so happened my plane had just landed in New Orleans. I was actually traveling with the two oldest grands who had never been on a plane and that was something we had been looking forward to. So thank you so much for the invitation. I didn't take any work stuff with me. I didn't have no calendar or nothing. And that's why I said I was kind of winging it when I left the airport. I said, okay, I don't want to think I'm ignoring her, but thank you so much for um, giving me this opportunity and I will look forward to continue to work with you in the community. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, as, as I was thinking about uh, somebody who's been in the uh, General Assembly uh, for three terms, um, I also got my newsletter that you send to us every now and then to sort of talk through some of the things that have happened in the session. Um, but before we get into some of the legislation that was passed that affects all of us, tell me why you decided to run for state rep to begin with? I've asked myself that about a million times, believe it or not, Ms. Jackson. I um, retired in 2013 after being with the U.S. Postal Service for more than 34 years, and all I could think about was retirement and traveling. Well, that went well for about two or three years, and then um, I was taking care of my parents. I'm the only child living in Augusta area, so then I kind of became everything for them. I was the yard person. I was the errand running. I was the lunch person. I got my dad addicted to Zaxby's, so I had plenty of things to do. And I kept thinking, I kept thinking, okay, I'm still young. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it has always been one of my desires to serve and give back to my community, especially community that has given so much to me for so long. And the, I knew the opportunity was coming up. The commission seat would be coming open where I reside. I knew the state rep positions be coming open every two years. So after talking to a couple of my advisors, it was easy for me to decide that I think I can better serve my community by going to Atlanta. And once you got to Atlanta, um, if you could just kind of describe for people, because I don't think they understand sort of how that works, like when you're in session and 
the running back and forth from Atlanta to Augusta. Can you talk, just describe what the routine has been for you? Yes, and believe it or not, um, I had no idea how nothing was being done until I actually got there. So once I won, <laughs> the next day I was asking myself, okay, what do I do now? But I had actually purchased a book from attorney Ben Allen. He has a book about politics. It's a two-part book. And I read both parts about five times, small book. And it the second part basically tells you what do you do once you get elected. So that sort of prepared me a little bit, but it's nothing like reality. So um, I knew I would be in Atlanta for approximately 40 days, which is about three months. Um, I, tr I came home every weekend, my first term. I hit the road on Fridays and went back on Sunday night or Monday morning. Really, really enjoyed that because it gave me a chance to just travel the country. You know, even though it's up by 22 hours, I got a chance to see rural Georgia even more than what I did when I used to work. So that was the fun part of it. And then I had no idea what time sessions start. I found out we go at 10 in the morning. I said, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And then I, I was in college in Atlanta, so I knew about the traffic. I just knew it was much worse. So I had to deal with that, get back adjusted to that. It's not like driving around Augusta. So got used to that. My children were excited because I have my twin daughters who live in Atlanta. They were just overjoyed to know that mom would be up here with us for three months. Um, first, I tried staying in a hotel. My children didn't want to hear that. And so I said, okay, well, I'll live with you all because I wanted to be close to the Capitol, not knowing you know, how my meetings and stuff would go. So my first session was a training session. I am so grateful and I will be foreverly blessed was Lita Abrams training. There was a lot of orientation for freshman legislators, but no one can beat. If you didn't get trained by Lita Abrams, you were missing. So I got trained by Lita Abrams. So I had a lot of early mornings. I had a lot of late afternoons, but it was well worth it. Um, people understand you're going to the Capitol sometime, but they really don't know what your day is like. I'll give you an ideal day a Monday. I get up from Augusta. I'm on the road about 5.30 every Monday morning. Get to Atlanta, somewhere between 7.30 and 8. Get breakfast. Swing by my office, which is across the street from the Capitol. You know, pull some emails. Turn, get some messages off my phone, my answering service. And get ready to walk across the street to the Capitol. Session starts at 10. Uh, some days we have short days. Some days we have long days. It just depends on how Speaker Ralston sets the calendar. We have what we call a rules committee. So rules committee meet every morning one hour before session starts. So most of the time when I got to my office, and we can do that now even for the public, you can watch it right from your TV, right from your computer. I would get in my office at least by quarter to nine, watch the rules calendar, and you will kind of know what's going to be coming up down the pipeline to be voted on. Because you have to go, every legislator, senator or representative, have to go before the rules calendar to get your legislation put on the calendar to be voted up or voted down. So rules meets at nine, session starts at 10, and then it's off to the races. Some days we took a lunch break early on in session. Usually after about 15 days, lunch was almost automatic because then after session ends, now you have committee meetings. So there's nothing like having three committee meetings at one time. Lunch ends at one, session ends at two. I got a meeting at 2.33 and 3.30. I start off in one committee meeting. <laughs> I hit the middle in the second one and I end with the third one. I tried to prioritize based on my training, which of all of my committee meetings were important, but some of them are not voting meetings. So you want to make sure you're at the meetings because you're you, they need your vote. 
because sometimes that's where you can stop legislation or that's where you can encourage and promote legislation. So even though you may get out of session at two o'clock, you may have three more meetings. I could still be at the Capitol to five or 6 p.m. So I've had breakfast, I've had lunch. And then of course, I'm out of there by six o'clock and I'm in the thick of all Atlanta traffic trying to get back home. Wow. So see, I would, you had me tired already when you said you left at 5.30 and yes. then session starts at 10. So you've been, you've done a whole lot before the session even starts on that morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I read and, all of my own emails. I, I have a staff. Mm -hmm. I don't let them read my emails because they didn't run for office. I signed up for this job. So I read, I read my emails. Some of them are just for information, but there are some that require a little bit of research. And there are some that even require a response. So I sometimes ask people to give me a little time when I get out of session or in between my meetings, I'll do the research, I'll respond back, and I'll try to do what I can to support the citizens that I said I would represent. And um, as you represented us, again, thank you. Um, you know, time came, three terms, you decided to, to take a step back. Uh, do you think you'll ever run for another office again? I don't think so. Um, like I said, I, I'm stepping away because my family really needs me. My mom is up in the age in her late 80s. She's my priority. She's my joy. Um, I lost my dad in December 2019. I'm still struggling with that. A couple of weeks ago, Father's Day was really rough for me. I know people say it gets better. It hadn't gotten better for me yet. But I take it one day at a time. But no, I don't see myself getting back into politics. But I see myself with the connections I've made, with the information and stuff I've learned, I see myself still serving my community on a volunteer basis. All right, very good. And one of the things that you have always taken pride in is that you made your own decisions. You didn't let anybody uh, necessarily dictate how you would respond to situations or tell you what to do. Uh, how did you come about that? that unbossed, unbought Shirley Chisholm sort of attitude you get. <laughs> um, for those that know Sheila Clark, um, being a local person, being involved in the federal government for a number of years, it, it, it kind of prepared me for whatever my next steps was going to be. I did not know my next steps would be a political career. I knew it would not be a lifetime political career, but I wanted to do as much as I could while I have the energy, while I have the time, and while I had the heart to want to serve others, um, it, was, it was really tough for me when I first decided to get into office because I had a hard time asking people for campaign contributions because I said, why would someone invest in me when I have not invested in myself? So I don't mind sharing it. I spent my first $2,500. I gave myself, never paid my campaign back, didn't look to get it back or anything. So once I began to exhaust that, I realized then that no one would control me because I didn't have anyone else's dime. I was spending on my dime. I had a very tight budget on my campaign, so I knew I had to watch every dollar. So when people saw that I was invested in the game, I was really serious about it. I think people were reluctant to give me campaign contributions, and I liked that part, because then I was not looking for them to get anything back in return. I did not make any campaign promises to everyone. I said, I will be your voice. And hopefully I've tried to do that. Um, as a local citizen, before I got elected, I didn't know what goes on in Atlanta a lot of the times. I didn't know, but I did know it affects our community locally and in different ways. So I decided 
thanks to Leader Abrams again, we all had mentors. I believe it was 18 legislators went in when I went in in 2017. We had mentors. So my mentor taught me a lot, gave me a lot of advice. We met with Leader Abrams on a regular basis because she didn't want us to fall through the cracks. So one of the things that she tried to share with us, you got to remember, you got to go back to your community. You're not going to always be up at the Capitol. You're not going to always be under the gold dome. So I took that mindset to say, I want to serve the people. I don't want to serve Sheila Clark Nelson. I want to do as much as I can for as many people as I can, as long as I can. So I've never really had a lot of campaign money. I did not get into politics for the money. All right, excellent. And now let, let's talk about why you did get into politics and that was to, to make a difference for the residents Absolutely. of Georgia and um, District 125. And um, in your newsletter that you just sent out, you highlighted some of the legislation that was passed in this most recent session. Can you sort of talk about some of the ones that you think are most significant for um, our listeners and, and the residents of our state? Sure. I think the most important legislation that we passed in 2022, and let's back up a minute. We have been working on this for a few years. You don't always get legislation done the same year that you're working on it. This was one of Speaker David Roster's pet peeves, so to speak, House Bill 1013. And it really, really, really got touched on when the pandemic hit. It's the Mental Health Parity Act. We already knew a lot of Georgians were struggling with a lot of matters in 2015, 2016, 2017. So when you're working on legislation, it may take you a little while to just get the wording right, to get the legal part of it right. So you don't just walk up there and say, hey, I'm gonna pass this bill and that bill and this resolution. So this was something that had been worked on for a while because we realized Georgians needed help with mental health. And then the pandemic exposed it all. And that's when the parties, we work together. Everybody didn't always agree on it. It come up, it goes through committee. There were some hearings on it. The public get to come and address it. Once again, this is something that public also can do. They can watch these committee hearings live. You can't, everyone can't come to the Gold Dome, but you still have the right and should be able to see what's going on. Some of the committee meetings, you can also address the chairman if you have something you want to add to this legislation. So with the mental health legislation, once the pandemic hit, it exposed everything that we already knew. But we knew then we had to move fast because we had been in this pandemic two years. Georgians were suffering. What is your government going to do about it? So this was the highlight, I believe, of our session for 2022 is to try to help Georgians with mental health. I would advise everyone to research House Bill 1013 because it did pass, it actually went into effect on yesterday, July 1st, 2022. And I think it means a lot for Georgians. All right, excellent. That, and there were a couple other pieces of legislation um, that I think deserve being highlighted. Right, um, sure. One of those House Bill 1435 related to education and needs-based financial aid programs. I know education of gap. So it has gotten so expensive um, that financial aid is critical. Um, tell us how this, this bill is going to address the needs. Okay. The Georgia General Assembly, as a legislator, we get updates, sometimes quarterly, sometimes annually, of what's going on with our colleges, our college students, especially those colleges that we provide funding to, the universities throughout Georgia. And we were looking at numbers for a few years where college students in their junior year were falling by the wayside. They were not completing their last year of school. 
and it was due to financial, the majority were due to financial reasons. We felt like some students just needed just a little bit of help. So once again, we did some research. I don't remember whether or not they did a study committee with that, but we finally got the information that we needed and we had the votes to get it passed. Some students need $1,000. Some students needed as much as $400 to try to finish their senior year. We knew there was a lot of jobs coming up in Georgia in the workforce, but we don't want a kid to go three years in college and then almost reach that point. They can't borrow any more money. They've already did all their student loans. We don't want them to lose. We don't want to lose them from Georgia and we don't want them to not graduate. So we saw a place and that's what they call the financial aid gap. where We are able to help students in Georgia, Georgia residents, that final year of college with the minor things. House Bill 1435 will help us with the shortage of doctors that we have, with the shortage of teachers and nurses that we have, because we were losing them just a little bit at a time, but by the end of the year that adds up to those that were not able to do it. So that's how the financial gap program came up to help Georgians finish college. Okay, all right. That is wonderful because you're right. There's just there's such a need out there. Folks, I feel bad for folks that really want to do better yeah, but they yeah. just don't have the financial resources to advance themselves. So uh, this would be a measure for additional uh, resources for those students. Yes. Do I understand? Okay. If they reach out to their schools and they should have the information there because this did go into effect also yesterday, July 1st, because it may be someone that needs that help right now to start school next month in August that had already thrown the towel in. Now they won't. They should be able to get some financial help in that gap and finish their education. And then there was one other uh, important piece uh, that we talked about that affects so many in the Augusta area. Um, and can you talk a little bit about uh, benefits for military spouses? Yes, House Bill 884. We have military bases throughout everywhere, but we're gonna really talk about the military bases in Georgia. Sometimes military spouses are kind of caught in between. If they move here with their spouse who's active duty military and they are licensed counselor, licensed this, licensed beautician, barber, they're kind of caught in the cracks and they have to go through a lot of red tape to get their license switched from one state to bring it to Georgia. So we kind of make sure we looked at professions and businesses to help people. And this actually went into effect immediately, which was April the 18th when the governor signed it immediately. Because we have spouses that are able to help with the workforce problem, but due to the fact they couldn't get their license from Virginia, California, Texas, Tennessee, all the other states with that, within the United States. So this is really going to help in the Fort Gordon area because we do have a, we, we're a military town and military spouses want to go to work. If they already have their licenses, they already have their businesses, House Bill 884 will be able to help them not kick the can down the road anymore, but almost come here immediately and continue their business. All right, excellent, excellent. And I'm sure that's gonna be very useful because now with the economy as it is, it's hard enough to find folks to work, to fill those yeah. gaps. Um, so this should expedite the process of that. All right. And those are some highlights from the most recent session. As you look back over your tenure, are there some other things that, that you were able to be a part of that you feel really good about that you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. I serve on the Energy Utilities and Telecommunications Committee. All legislators serve on anywhere from four to six committees. 
I feel very good about that committee. We call it the EUT, Energy Utilities and Telecommunications, because we are able to continue to get broadband in a lot of rural areas in Georgia. It affects our libraries, it affects our schools, it affects, and with the pandemic, once again, it exposed it so much that we actually had to look at ways in a hurry to help our children not fall by the wayside in the first grade, in the sixth grade, in the ninth grade. So I feel good on that. We still got some work to do. Some communities are a little bit further behind. Everything is not Metro Atlanta. So we gotta make sure we can have it because you, you and I both know the internet is so important. You may have a doctor's appointment. You may need to do some home schooling, studying at home, but you gotta have access to the, to the internet. So I, I really enjoy working on the energy committee. It taught me a lot about energy. And there again, it affects different communities in different ways. But we are continuing to put money as a Georgia General Assembly to help improve rural Georgia with broadband internet. Very good. That that is critical um, because I mean you need a computer for everything these days. You do. I mean, you, you really, there's nothing you can do without it for the most part. And a lot of people do get left behind um, because of lack of access. Um, so it's been almost six years. Um, as a member of um, the Georgia General Assembly, again, we appreciate your service as you uh, reflect back on your uh, service, your constituents. Is there anything else that you want to share uh, with our listening audience? Well, I want to tell them thank you for confiding in me. I had a lot of support in the beginning as I got elected and got sworn in. I gained more support. It has been an honor and a privilege. I encourage everyone to be engaged with your local, state, and federal officials. One of the things I decided after I got elected and didn't know what to do next, I promised that I would keep my constituents engaged. Once a year, except for the first year of the pandemic, I sent out an annual newsletter, like you said, thousands. I actually went out yesterday and finished delivering the few to the community centers because there are sometimes people that move in this area that I don't have their mailing address and the mailing company that I use, they're just that recent. I try to make sure people are engaged. I put the information there about the new prices and fees for the Georgia Department of Driver Services. Because someone may be fixing to go and renew a driver's license or go get a new ID. They need to know there's been a price change that went into effect yesterday, July 1st. So I think my newsletter is my highlight. I have to kind of wait to put it out usually in June because I try to wait until the governor has signed the legislation. I don't want to put it out and then he didn't sign it or it didn't pass. So I want, I want to give as much accurate information. And I, I was not on social media for a long time. I slowly do some social media, but I still try to be out in the community, volunteer with the Golden Harvest Food Bank, volunteer with the Great Augusta Interfaith Coalition, and just try to help a lot of our local churches wherever the needs are. All right. And thank you for all of that. Thanks for being a guest on Local Matters. I know our paths will continue to cross in, in our community work. And thank you so much, Ms. Jackson, for the invitation again. And thank you for all that you do in our community. Yes, we will continue to work together. I certainly hope that you all enjoyed learning a little bit more about what we elect people to do when we send them to Atlanta to represent us. And I want, of course, to invite you to join us next week. My guest will be Mrs. Ann Streetman-Knighton, 
those of you who attended Richmond Academy anytime from 1969 on into the early 90s, probably are familiar with that name. Uh, she was a chemistry teacher and has made some great contributions to the lives of many through that role. Uh, but she's also uh, had another role for the last 50 plus years, and that is being the mother of an advocate for a child with developmental and intellectual disabilities. So she will talk to us about uh, all of the things that come with that, uh, as well as the resources that are available through the state of Georgia and more resources that she wish were available uh, so that the quality of life for those with disabilities and their family members can be uh, addressed and improved. Uh, this topic, as well as several others that we've had over the last few weeks, have been topics that have been suggested by members of our Local Matters family. So please, if there are things that you would like to hear us cover, people that you would like us to interview, please don't hesitate to reach out to me either via Facebook Messenger or via my uh, website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. I've got a, a page there where you can contact uh, me with suggestions or further information. Again, thanks so much for being a part of the Local Matters family and be blessed. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.